Hey there, are you sick and tired of feeling sick and tired? Join Adol Kozilski and Fagy Stern as they explore ways to reverse chronic illness and achieve vibrant health. Your health is your only wealth and together we can be better. Hashtag Healthy You, Wealthy You. Okay, talk to everybody and okay, Faggy. Good morning, Adel. How are you? I am, thank God. Well, very, very grateful for the rain. I think it's cleared up a lot and my garden is becoming very green. So um, I'm, I'm pretty much in a good space and with you. Also, definitely helping my vegetable patch. Yes. <laughs> you know, oh, is your vegetable patch? Everything's beautiful, green, or everything, everything's growing so nicely. So yeah, the rain me. does help a lot. Do you remember when we uh, had a discussion a couple of weeks ago with the lady organic? You said, you know, you're going to supply me with some. I want, I want to taste your, uh, your, your, your homegrown vegetables now. Come past, pick whatever you'd like. <laughs> I'm looking forward. <laughs> well, today I think we're going to have a, a very, very exciting show. Um, and one of the things that, you know, obviously, Faggy, when we decided to start the show was to actually start educating people about um, how to reverse, as we say in our ad, chronic health. And obviously the main and, and, and most important component of that to a large extent, to a lot, to, 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 to many, many people is what we eat because that fuels our body and that affects the systems in our body. But as human beings and as Jews in particular, we are very, very cognizant of the fact that we are not just made up of the physical, but that we're made up of the mental, of the spiritual, the emotional. And uh, holistic medicine, integrative medicine comes to recognize that not only do we need to feed our bodies physically with that which it needs and to ensure that the systems are working physically, but that we are also giving our souls, our, our spiritual self, that which we, uh, we, we require. And so today we're going to take a fascinating journey into something called Conscious discipline. Now, uh, I think I kind of like maybe have missed the boat a little bit. I'm, I'm past disciplining children. Um, I have grandchildren and I have a right as a grandmother not to discipline them at all, even though I do try for the sake of the parents. <laughs> <laughs> but, but certainly, you know, conscious dis- a, a, a discipline is very, very important to the emotional well-being of, of a home, to the emotional well-being of the parents, of the children. And I'm, I'm sure that conscious discipline um, would work very, very well and, and, and most importantly just with yourself, for yourself to be aware. And so after the break, we're going to be bringing on Esther Hecht, a well-known personality in Johannesburg. She is a social-emotional learning coach um, for both parents and teachers and a conscious discipline Practitioner. She's also the director of the Santon Hebrew Club and program director at Chabad of Santon. And I think we're in for a really, really fascinating discussion. If you'd like to join us, please SMS on 34519 or 0618951019. As always, a reminder that Fagi and I run a WhatsApp group. If you'd like to join it, we don't, we don't overburden you with millions of, you know, uh, pieces of information every day. We drop a, a motivating thought idea about living healthily. Um, we try uh, daily. Um, you can join our WhatsApp group by sending a, an email to info at highfm.com and just give us your name and your cell number and we will gladly join you. So we're going to go for a little bit of an ad break. Please sit down, take some space out, make yourself a coffee. We're in for a fantastic journey. 
This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You Show with Edo Kosulski and Feige Stern. Well, welcome back and uh, with much pleasure. Esther, good morning. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, ladies. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Right, so let's start at the beginning. I've never heard of conscious discipline. Um, as I said, I'm old school. I'm, I'm over the educational hump uh, to a large extent. Can you tell us what is conscious discipline and why are you so passionate about it? Sure. First of all, I want to say I don't think you've missed the boat because hopefully through our discussion you'll see that it's really a self-work. Um, so Excellent. it's never too late to do this work. Um, so what is conscious discipline? Conscious discipline is a social-emotional learning program for parents and teachers. It really gives them the skills to develop all the social-emotional skills within themselves and then be able to model and offer those skills to their kids or their students. Um, in general, it helps us to be more conscious and connected parents and teachers. You know, we send our kids to school and spend time and money and resources on all the other academic skills um, and talents that we want to develop, right? But we don't yeah. really put the same emphasis on the social-emotional skills. And this could be for many reasons, but for the most part, I feel it's because that many of us as adults don't have those skills ourselves. And just mm-hmm. to pause for a second to explain what are social-emotional skills. You know, everyone's hearing social-emotional learning, social-emotional skills. What really are these skills? So within these skills, it's managing emotions, self-regulation, self-control, self-awareness, responsibility, empathy, building and maintaining healthy relationships, goal achievement, right? So yes. in life, I feel very strongly about the fact that we do our best until we know better. And we're at a time now that we do know better. We know how important it is to develop these social emotional skills while our kids are still young. That's not to say it's ever too late, but now we know that the best time to start working on these skills are when our kids are still young. And for some reason, we have this notion that kids will just grow up and learn these skills. They'll just become more emotionally mature just by virtue of growing up. But, but that doesn't happen. These skills actually have to be modeled and taught just like any other skill and the reason I'm so passionate about it is because I believe we can make such an impact from, from such a young age. It's an interesting thing to say. Sorry, sorry, Faggy. It's just an interesting thing that you're saying because I actually was having a discussion with somebody yesterday. We were just talking about education and how I think that COVID this, law, this, this year has highlighted just because children came home and parents had to deal with children at home, that education is far greater and far wider. It's like, it's, it's, it's a bigger paradigm than just, you know, how well your kid does in maths or, you know, how they excel in English, et cetera, et cetera. And that perhaps we have been in the transference of knowledge. We haven't been giving our children the, the things that they need to be responsible and, you know, um, uh, engaged human beings. And that obviously comes a lot into what you're saying in terms of the social and emotional skills. You know, the majority of, of adults are in therapy because I, we, we clearly didn't get it. Exactly. And I think, like you're saying, this year especially highlighted that. Um, when, I, when I work with teachers, I say to them that my goal is for you as a teacher to also become the social worker in your class. Not every time that there's a social issue that you have to send that child to the social worker or the psychologist, teachers should be skilled to navigate, you know, all the social and emotional assets that are happening in their classroom. And I think parents realize this at home also. It's not just about, you know, sitting in front of the computer and doing your work. Does a child feel safe? Do they feel loved? Do they feel seen? There's all these other aspects that come into play. 
But not only that, I think like to a large extent we do rely on, you know, the schools or their friends, whatever it is, that they should automatically get those skills, you know, through through other means. And we don't actually, like you say, Esther, about actually learning about it and understanding that much more. Only once you understand that much more can you say, oh my gosh, like you're awakened to understanding that you as a parent can do that much more for your child. Exactly. Where did you learn this? Is it like a school of thought? Where was it developed? So Conscious Discipline was actually founded in the early 1990s. So although it's become very popular recently, it's not, you know, the newest fad around the block. The proof is already in the pudding. The children who grew up in Conscious Discipline homes and went to Conscious Discipline schools, and the results are amazing. Um, so it was founded by a lady called Dr. Becky Bailey. Um, and yeah, I guess you can call it a school of thought, but for me, it's more than just a theory. It becomes a practice. Um, I was living overseas for a few years before I moved back home here. And um, I was trained in conscious discipline while I was working in a school in the States. And I just saw the absolutely amazing, like transformational change that I brought both to homes and classrooms. So is it a course? Do you go on a course and you learn it? How, how, how does one get involved with it if one, you know, you know? Yes. Yeah, so I, um, at the school that I was working at, we had a certified trainer who came to train us. And then once, you know, she had planted those seeds, I took it further and did more online training. And I just, I read a lot and I do, you know, listen to the podcast. And I actually, although I, my foundation is in conscious discipline, I've ended up adding so many more schools of thought that just work nicely, you know, together with it just to, you know, involve the best practices of all the schools of thought. Can you explain to us how this conscious discipline like very, like differs from traditional discipline, how a parent generally disciplines their child? Sure. So I think that there's three main differences between the conscious approach to discipline and the traditional approach. Um, and just before I go into them, you know, we say the word discipline, and I think we need to understand what discipline really means. You know, discipline is not something that we do to children. Rather, it is something we develop within them. So when we look at it like that, our job becomes moves from controlling our children to connecting with them and developing certain skills within them. So, I mean, I, I would break it down to three main differences between traditional discipline and conscious discipline. Number one, in traditional discipline, we've had this belief that as long as we have the right reward or punishment, we can make a child do anything. So many parents and teachers have shared with me that these are their only two skills. As long as they can threaten their child or as long as they can bribe them, they could get their child to do anything. And the truth is, in conscious discipline, we believe that you cannot make anyone do anything without any sort of damage, whether that's emotional or physical. We believe that the only person you can change is yourself, and that profoundly impacts those around you. So that's the first difference. The second thing is that... Well, sorry, just before you go on to the second difference, <laughs> I think that first yes. one is like probably the most profound statement, you know, or realization that any human being can come 100%. to you to change yourself. The end. <laughs> 100%. Unfortunately, we sometimes learn this the hard way, right? Like, God forbid you're dealing with someone who's going through an addiction, right? And you just want to make them change. And at a certain point, you realize, I can't make anyone change, right? Um, and I think the problem with parents thinking like this is if I can't make my child change, then either something's wrong with me or something's wrong with them. And we take the emphasis off the relationship, right? If we would say, well, let's look at the relationship and how we can connect, then that question kind of falls away. 
also to that point, you know, very often parents will say, how do I make my child go to sleep on time? How do I make them do their homework? How do I make them clean up after themselves? Guess what? You can't. The, mm-hmm. the question really needs to be, how can I be most helpful to them? Because you can't make anyone do anything. So it is a very profound In, in life, we do keep on doing that in, in every area. We're always trying to, I mean, I guess it's just a natural human reaction to want to try and change someone and control someone just to make them do what we expect them to do um, and, you know, that we should be able to feel safe in our own bodies, that they should listen to what we tell them to do. And, right. you know, it's also the whole innate health thing about, what you say about, you know, your thoughts create your reality. So it's, it's, it's such a huge shift in Ladies, can, we, can we just hold that thought? We have to go for a break. Just okay. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. We are discussing conscious discipline and just off the first bat, you know, understanding that one can only change oneself is so fundamental to, to one's entire existence that I think that the quicker you wake up to, to that reality, the happier you're going to uh, be able to live your life. Esther, we spoke about the first difference. You said there's another two differences to the, uh, between conscious discipline and traditional discipline. Yes. So the second thing I think that we believed in traditional discipline is that rules govern behavior. You know, I have a strict set of rules in my home or in my classroom, and this will be the impetus for our children to behave. Um, and we spend time, you know, coming up with the best rules and the most clear rules. Um, but just think about it for a second. If rules govern behavior just on a more like global level, why are our prisons filled with people? And to bring it closer to home, why are our kids getting punished for breaking the same rules over and over again? And what ends up happening when they break these rules is that we end up discussing the punishment, right? Maybe we're too lenient. Maybe we should take his cell phone away for the whole day. Maybe we should take screen time away. You know, he's never watching TV ever again. And we put the focus on the punishment instead of focusing on the issue. What really governs behavior is connection. Mm-hmm. Connections, connections, connections. We all know that when you feel connected with someone, you are more willing to do things for them. You know, if you're in a good space with a friend and she asks you a favor, yes, sure, honey, I'll do it. You know what it, you know, whatever you need. If you're not in the best space with a friend and she asks you that favor, you'll be like, you know what, do it yourself. What, who am I? Your slave. So the more connected we feel with people, the more willing we are to participate, participate with them and to listen to them and so often parents and teachers will ask me, how do I deal with this behavior or that behavior? And the first question I ask before I even get to the behavior is, what are you doing to connect with the child? Right? Tell me what you're doing to connect with that child every day. We'll get you the behavior. But first and foremost, the connections are most important. The connections on the outside. Build those connections on the inside for the child. They literally wire a child's brain for success. In this day and age, then, with so much social media and so much technology, it really does take away a lot of our time, or let's say the, the child's time with that connection. There has to be, uh, you know, some type of, like you say, don't make the rules, but in, in terms of making that time for connection is huge. You absolutely need to prioritize the time, and it's not even a lot of time. An authentic connection is is made up of four components, eye contact, touch, 
presence in a playful situation. And just five minutes of that a day, the research shows, can cut discipline issues um, by 50%. So Amazing. you don't need to take a whole day away. You know, on, on one of my courses re- recently, we were discussing a parent said, you know, like every few weeks I go out with one of my kids to give them alone time. And I said, we, we actually have to switch that and say, instead of, you know, Waiting and waiting and waiting and then having one day when you connect, let's bring these authentic connections in every single day. They are so crucial. So if you can't do all four of those components every day, try and mix at least some of them in. The eye contact, touch, presence in a playful situation. This is authentic connection and it gives children what they need in terms of connection. So that's the second point. Again, that, that so is fundamental to all, to all human connection. If you get, if you looked at somebody when they said that they're talking to you and they feel your presence, you know, um, and they feel connected, then you, you, you're A for a way. A hundred percent. And I think that we can all think back, you know, to our teachers and who are the ones that we were willing to do the work for in class were the ones that we connected with. Um, mm. because the connections are so important. Um, the third difference, and for me, this one is so huge and such an amazing shift. In traditional discipline, we look at misbehavior and conflict, and we want to avoid them at all costs, right? We just want misbehavior and conflict to stop, whether it's in our classroom, the one child who's ruining my perfect circle time, or at home, you want your dinner time to run smoothly, and there's, you know, your one child who's whining. We just, we don't want it. We want nothing to do with misbehavior and conflict. And in conscious discipline, we believe that all behavior is a form of communication and an opportunity to teach a new skill. So these moments turn into teachable moments. So at any point you see a misbehavior, you really have to ask yourself, what is being communicated here? And um, one of my favorite images just to visualize this is that iceberg image, right? So often we just are responding to the tip of the iceberg, the behaviors without realizing that under the water at the bottom of that iceberg is that is the rest of the, the iceberg. All those feelings that a child may have, am I loved? Am I seen? I miss my mommy today. I'm anxious. I don't know what's going on. There's so many transitions, right? And what we typically do is we respond to the behavior. We punish or we shame or we stop it somehow. But the truth is, by doing that, we're just putting a Band-Aid on an open wound. In order to really respond to the behavior, we need to say, What's going on underneath? Let me respond to the inner state, right? So I think that the shift really is, let me stop spending my time stopping behavior, and let me start spending my time understanding the behavior. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think we, see, we see that a lot with little kids, you know. Um, as soon as there's a disturbance, um, you know, the kids, they, they can't verbalize it, they can't explain it, and so their behavior goes wacko. And, and yes, you're right, you know, instead of dealing it on a superficial level, um, you know, you need to be intuitive enough to go and say what's going on behind it all. In a practical right. world, also, essays, like, let's say you're running around, you're doing lift schemes, you're coming home, you have to make supper, uh, kids are doing homework, and one of the kids is having a meltdown. In that moment, are you trying to say that Stopping for five minutes, making that connection, understanding will help the situation that much more. Can you just explain in a practical situation? So, so first of all, I would say whether the behaviors are happening or not, like the misbehaviors or your crazy times, make that time for connection regardless and um, because it's such an important foundation. And then in those moments, those stressful moments when your kids are behaving, um, you know, that there's plenty of skills within conscious discipline that you can respond. But the first skill is that skill of self-regulation, that 
the child is acting up right now because something's going on. There's some sort of either there's a missing skill that I need to give over to him or, or her, or there's an underlying feeling that I can respond to. So yes, even if you're completely stressed out and you're overwhelmed and you just came home from a long day, taking that moment and saying, you know, taking a deep breath and realizing what's going on here so that I can respond to that, right? Oh, you know, you can say to your child, you were feeling so frustrated. You were feeling so angry and you didn't know show, you didn't know how to show me how, right? Or you didn't know how to show me that you were feeling so angry. So there's so many ways that we can respond wisely and consciously and, and more compassionately than just running into the house and screaming, everyone be quiet. I just had a crazy day, right? So it's taking so as parents, we would have to what am I regulate ourselves before we respond. Absolutely, absolutely. Like that is the most important skill is the skill of self-regulation, um, which we can chat about more. But definitely that is the the gateway skill to all other skills. You need to be able to self-regulate, to take that moment and say really that when we start responding to be, to the inner state versus the behavior, that is self-regulation in a nutshell. Because it allows me a pause that instead of, you know, unconsciously reacting, I'm consciously responding. You know, um, just an example that Go ahead. Sister, I, was, I was speaking with my sister the other night who's gone on this whole conscious discipline journey and conscious and connected parenting. Um, she has a three-year-old daughter and she said to me that she's seen such a huge shift. And she just gave me one example. The other night at, at her dinner table, her three-year-old took um, her cup of water and started spraying it all over the table. And she said she thought back how she would have, you know, re reacted before this journey. She would have shouted like, Emma, what are you doing? Stop throwing water. We don't throw water, right? And instead what she did is she took a moment. She, she This is a three-year-old, and she needs to teach her. And she said to her, oh, Emma, you are hoping to play with water at the table. We can't play with water at the table. You can play with water in the bath or you can play with water um, outside. But right now we're eating dinner. And she said, you know, Emma, just put down the glass. It was such a different response, you know, instead of shouting at her. And I think one of the, the big shifts in conscious discipline is um, focusing on what we want versus what we don't want. We so often tell children, stop running, stop hitting, stop pushing. This doesn't give them any information of what to do. So what we want to do as much as catch, catch ourselves when we're, it's so much easier to say what we don't want, right? Cause we're so clear on what we don't want. But when we can be clear about what we want, we can offer this to the child because we're, we're developing skills within them. These become teachable moments where we have to actually give them the information of what we want done. I feel I have a sense like just, you know, listening to what, what you're saying and it, it's certainly resonating very true. Um, kind of having the image of the cart before the horse or the horse before the cart because in order to behave like that towards your kids and towards your outside, you've got to start with yourself. Can we talk a little bit more to, okay, I'm a person out of control, like I, 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 don't, I, I don't have self-regulation. What could I do as a an individual um, to to think in the correct way so that when I do, you know, experience the outside, I experience it in a, in a different way and I'm, I'm, I'm able to discipline better. Like what what things do we do to help us self-regulate? What questions should we be asking ourselves when, you know, you kind of like said, well, if you're a mom and you're coming home and you, you just had a bad day because, you know, you've done the lift schemes and the kids and the, and the extramurals and whatever have you, well, you in the first instance – are already tizzed out and not self-regulated. So how how do you stop that before you actually walk in the house and then have to deal with kids and helping them self-regulate? 
So it's an excellent question. And I think almost every single book that I'm reading these days and every podcast I'm listening to keeps coming back to these two words, self-regulation. And what does this really mean and how does self-regulation work? Um, so I think we need to understand how it works and then I could just give some practical skills. So actually self-regulation needs two to work. What I mean as an adult, we need to self-regulate ourselves. We, we have mature inner speech and that means we need to use my, our one voice to override another voice. So, um, you know, let's say you're coming home and you have all this behavior in front of you and you start freaking out. I can't handle this. The voices in your head is this is too much for me. I can't handle this. Oh my God. How did I raise these kids right? In that moment, I actually need to self-regulate myself. I use a voice from my higher self. And whatever words you choose to say to yourself, I'm safe, I can handle this, keep breathing. I'm safe, I can handle this, keep breathing. You almost feel yourself moving out of your survival state and going up to your executive state. And that's you know just what's going on in your brain. And you bring yourself to the present moment so that you can respond to the child. What usually happens is we get so threatened and so thrown off that we end up just reacting like I was saying before just unconsciously and then later on we beat ourselves up for what we said or what we did and how we couldn't you know control ourselves when it comes to children they do not have mature inner speech yet so we as the adult need to be their co-regulators until they are able to self-regulate so with the baby this is obvious right when the baby's crying we pick them up we soothe them but as the child gets older we somehow forget this how many times as a parent or a teacher have you shouted, calm down, Go calm yourself down? What does this mean? How does a child calm down? And you're probably shouting, calm down, and you're all to the Exactly. So number one, you as the parent or teacher most likely have never modeled to your child a healthy way of calming down or what that even looks like. And even in that moment, like you're saying, you're not calm yourself. So why do we assume that the child just knows how to calm down? So what what are we really called upon in those moments is to become the co-regulator, to download calm instead of adding to the chaos. Breathe with the child, help them name their feeling, choose some things that they can do. So going back to your original question is that self-regulation is so important because without it, we will just react on autopilot. And, and, and it's almost like what I call the gateway skill because it allows us to access any of the other skills that we need to respond in the moment. But I think the biggest thing is, and like what we were saying just now, is that when you come home, you get triggered. And self-regulation is really about taking control of your triggers. If you're human, you have triggers. If you don't have triggers, then tell me what you're doing, because we all have <laughs> triggers, right? But, but we walk around. I think the problem is we walk around, we give access to we give our triggers to everyone. We give access to everyone to our triggers. We're like, you know, like Oprah, like you have my trigger and you have my trigger and you have my trigger. And then we walk around saying, she made me crazy. Stop making me mad. Right. Honey, you gave your triggers away. Don't blame them for making you angry, for making you insane, for driving you crazy. Right. So what is self-regulation? It allows us to be aware of our triggers, to hold them close. And when you feel that you are being triggered, when you feel that your buttons are being pushed, own that. Take a moment to calm down, realize you're the adult here, and then respond wisely. And if that means staying in your car for five minutes before you enter the house because you know it's going to be crazy. Or now I realize I do that every day. <laughs> so <laughs> then or, or even walking or, or even walking into the house and saying, you know, mommy just needs a few minutes to calm down. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to take three deep breaths. If anyone wants to join me, model the calming down, right? Instead of just reacting and then kicking yourself later 
and also realizing in those moments you get to model the calming down that you're telling your children to do in other occasions. I think also one of the other things is that, you know, um, if you find yourself in a stressful situation and you, you feel the triggers coming, like somebody's said something to you or the situation is in such, as such that you are feeling triggered, um, like to know that there's a thing called a pause button that you can actually say, stop, you know. Exactly. Frame it and, and, and be careful how you're going to react like that. And if you can't just say, you know, I'm not going to talk about it right now. I need to think about it and walk away as opposing just to, you know, somebody shot the bullet at you. So just draw the gun and start, you know, shooting back. Absolutely. And I think that is totally okay for a parent to say, you know, I'm not at my higher self right now or in the best state of mind to respond. Let's talk about this later. Right. And, yeah. and on that point also, it's also okay for a parent to come to a child at night and said, you know, the way I responded to you today, I wasn't so proud of, you know, I'm going to try to do better tomorrow. And again, mm-hmm. model that like we can mess up sometimes and we can react sometimes. But what happens to a child, if we don't explain this to them, then they, they're not processing it and they're just feeling bad and sad or whatever it is based on your reaction to them during the day. And then that becomes obviously a learned behavior and they'll go say, mommy yeah. always does or daddy always Absolutely. does. Exactly. Exactly. I, I'm, I'm going to already apologize even before we finish the thing because this, what you are saying is correct. It's not just about education of kids, even though we're trying to focus on that area. But for me, as, as I said, going over the educational hump, like I'm thinking about this in a, in a work environment and, you know, just in an environment wherever you find yourself. You know, people trigger other people off all the time. That's just, that's just human nature. That's how we are. And it, 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 it does take a lot of self-discipline and self-regulation, you know, to look at a situation and say, I'm taking a step back or I'm pausing or I'm choosing now to react in a different way to what I normally react with because it just, just things do. They just unravel otherwise. Exactly. And I think that's what I was saying earlier that this is really a self-work. Right. We cannot offer our children or our students skills that we don't have ourselves. And mm. and what most people love about this journey is that it's a journey of self-work, that you get to know why it does this trigger me. Why does this bother me? What can I do about it? And it's such an empowering feeling when I get to say, you know what, my feelings are OK. All feelings are welcome. I start, you know, naming my feelings, which, you know, for many adults, they weren't able to do as a child and then getting to choose what to do with those feelings. Right. And this is what we want to develop within our children. But we cannot give that skill unless we have it ourselves. So it is a self-work. And you'll see any parent or any teacher who's ever done this course um, or, or taken any real, you know, social emotional learning course. Um, they'll say that it affects every single one of their relationships, the way they're showing up in their marriage, the way they're showing up with coworkers, and then obviously the way that they're showing up with their children because these skills are not only for children, um, they're just life skills in general. So within conscious discipline, we, we're talking about going back to the, 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 raw, the rewards and punishments. We move completely away from rewards and punishments. You don't even need them at all. And what we offer to parents and teachers is seven skills that no matter what situation they are being confronted with, they have seven new skills, which are composure, assertiveness, encouragement, choices, empathy, positive intent, and consequences. And mixing and matching these skills, you can respond to any behavior. So you don't need rewards and punishments at all. So that's also the difference of conscious discipline, where it's not just a mind shift. Okay, yeah, look at behaviors different, and that sounds very nice and beautiful. Okay, but then what do I do, and how do I respond to this, and what skills do I use for this? Well, then there's seven skills 
that you, you almost like you filled up like this toolbox of skills that you're able to use no matter what the behavior is in front of you. Right, we're going to look into a little bit of those seven skills when we get back. If you'd like to join the conversation, have a question for our guest, Esther Hecht, or want to post a comment. It's 34519 or 061-895-1019. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosulski and Fagy Stern. We're having a fascinating discussion on conscious discipline. And just before the break, we spoke about the seven skills. We don't have a lot of time. Esther, can you just sum them up and just maybe give a one-liner on each of them? Because we've got still so much to talk about. Sure. So, like I said, we want to move away from rewards and punishments being our only two skills, right? That we're either bribing our kids or threatening them to get any behavior that we want. And I think what conscious discipline really is, it's about building children up from the inside, giving them intrinsic motivation versus external motivators, right? If we're constantly um, pumping our children up from the outside with rewards or unhealthy ways of encouragement, when they grow up, they realize that I don't actually know how to internally motivate myself. The only way I feel good is if it's coming from the outside. Um, And again, all of these concepts that I'm discussing are like huge conversations on their own that we can spend hours on. Um, Mm -hmm. The seven skills of conscious discipline, um, just quickly. So, um, we have composure, which is a skill of self-regulation. And that's the first skill because without being able to remain composed, you actually cannot access any of the other skills. There's no fast route to, you know, offering a choice if you're not composed in the moment or, any, or to any of the other skills. So that's number one. The second skill is the skill of assertiveness. And I think this is the most beautiful gift we can give to a child is the skill of assertiveness, right? To be able to state what they want clearly and what they don't want, Right. Very often that we get mixed up between, you know, we think that assertiveness is being nasty. So we'll, we'll ask our children, like, please can you go brush your teeth? Thank you. Right. And we're not actually being assertive about what needs to be done. Like now is time to brush your teeth. Um, so in order to be assertive, like I was saying before, we need to be able to focus on what we want. Right. Once we can focus on what we want, we can be clear about it. Instead of saying, stop running, I'm going to be assertive and I'm going to say, We're going to walk down the halls just like this with your hands by your side, one foot in front of the other. That is being assertive and painting clear pictures to our children. You know, it's interesting. The same side of our brain that self-regulates is the same side that encodes in images and visuals. So when we can paint a picture of what the behavior looks Mm -hmm. like, that actually helps kids calm down. When we're saying stop doing this, don't do that, don't do this, that actually stresses them out just by saying that. So we're not being helpful. So we have composure we have assertiveness we have encouragement right so often and i think this is like a south african issue that we think we're being kind to our kids when we say you're amazing you're the best look at you you're awesome good boy good girl and we think we're being kind and building our self-esteem but the truth is that like i was saying before this is called like air pump encouragement we're just pumping out our kids from the outside what we want to do is switch to healthier ways of encouraging putting the emphasis on the child you did it Look at you, way to go, just saying what we see, noticing. Look at you going on that monkey bars, your one hand in front of the other. You know, look at you building that magnetiles. Children are not asked to be judged. They're just being asked to be seen. And this is how we truly build them out from the inside. So that's encouragement. We have the skill of choices, offering authentic choices. How often do we say to our children, you know, if you don't eat your dinner, you you know, you, you have a choice. Eat your dinner or go to your room. That's not a choice. That's a coercion, right? So what we help parents and teachers with is offering authentic choices, right? 
now it's time to get dressed for school. Um, you can wear these pants or these pants, which is better for you. And this is such an incredible skill to offer to our children because very often when they're feeling a little bit stressed out, just by offering them this choice, it brings them a sense of empowerment and that, you know, I trust you with the choice and I'm not just telling you what to do and expecting you just to listen. So we have choices. Um, and then we have empathy, which is such a huge skill. Again, a whole other conversation in itself, but how do we offer our kids true empathy in the moment and saying to them, you know, you seem so frustrated, helping them work through those emotions, teaching them the self-regulation so that they can take ownership over their feelings. The two final skills are positive intent. Um, I think positive intent for me almost changed my life that no matter what negative behavior you see, that there's always a positive intent. So you can always say to your child, you know, you were hoping to get the toy from your sister and you didn't know how to, so you pushed her, right? Or you were hoping to show me how frustrated you felt and you didn't know how to, so you shouted out, I hate you. There is always positive intent. And I've had this discussion so many times with parents and teachers who say, there's no positive intent. He just wants to hurt. Mm -hmm. He just wants to be mean. And I say, no, you need to find the positive intent so that you can then be helpful. And finally, finally, the last skill of conscious discipline is consequences because it's a whole switch on the way we look at consequences, not as punishments, but it's almost about bringing natural consequences and logical consequences back into the mix where so often those have been removed and replaced by imposed consequences. So that's really the skills in a nutshell. It's almost like a 10-week course in like five minutes, <laughs> what I just explained. Um, I, I just try to give you a taste. Of I, I think I think we're going to have to bring you back on just to discuss each and every one of it. It's, it's just it I is. I think we're just going to have to do the course. <laughs> exactly. Let's let's just switch a little bit now because you know again the 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 intention of this program is to educate people on how to be healthy. Is there a connection between physical health and emotional health? Can you talk around that? Yeah, so I actually, I think this is such an important question, and I actually wish it was spoken about more. Um, in general, the way that I view health is from a very holistic point of view, and I think both of you ladies agree, um, and it's really the way I view everything. You cannot separate the emotional from the physical. You cannot separate the adult from the inner child. You cannot separate the childhood trauma from the adult triggers, um, and you cannot look at a child without thinking about the adult that they're going to become, Right. So um, for the purposes of, of what you're asking in regards to health, there's no way for us to separate the physical and emotional, meaning our emotional health is important, not only for us to be emotionally healthy, but also because it directly affects our physical health as well. It, just imagine, and this is almost a dream of mine, that if you went to a doctor because you were suffering from asthma or because you had high blood pressure or because um, you went to your dermatologist because you had an outbreak of something, and imagine they would look at you and say, you know, what are the stresses in your life right now? What was your childhood like? What was your relationship with your parents? Let's look back at any traumas, right? But no, they're not going to ask that. They're just going to medicate the physical symptoms. And um, just talking about traumas for a second, um, generally when we say the words childhood trauma, right, we think some big scary thing happened to you when you were younger, right? You were molested or abused, whether physically or verbally. But the truth is, what is trauma? Trauma is anything that was not processed in a healthy way, meaning if a child grew up with parents who it was their way or the highway, or a child didn't, and the child didn't understand why they didn't have a voice, right? Or the child who had feelings, because which child doesn't, 
but there was no one to speak to about those feelings and no way to regulate those feelings or choose what to do with those feelings, right? These things actually become minor traumas and they end up living in the body. And then later on, you have emotional issues in relationships or other areas in life. But more so, these traumas, as they build on themselves, can actually cause physical diseases and illnesses. You know, the two main stress hormones of adrenaline and cortisol directly affect our immune system. The higher they are, they make our bodies more susceptible to illnesses. And what's interesting is this is not some airy-fairy approach to looking at our health. This is literally backed by science. The science and the latest research is showing how our emotional makeup and our regulation directly affects our physical health. I just... I don't think we can ignore these facts anymore. In order to really treat any physical issue, we need to look at it more holistically. And I think this is why I'm so passionate about the early childhood social emotional learning, because this is where it all begins. What a gift to give a child the skills and healthy ways of dealing with their emotions so that later on they're not only emotionally healthier, but also physically Amen, amen, amen to all of that. And this is something that uh, I think Fabian and I just so talk about, about endlessly. Area, we just go on and on about it. Right. We're going for just a little bit of an ad, ad break and sadly needing to wrap up. Uh, we'll be back shortly. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. Undoubtedly, this has been an incredible show. As somebody just said, thank you, thank you for this invaluable information. What a pity I did not know about this when I was bringing up my child. That is from Rene. Well, Rene, I, I said that at the beginning and I retracted even halfway through that, yes, you know, um, I brought up my children, but certainly self-regulation, I was actually, <laughs> I was thinking to myself, can you imagine if, Donald Trump and Joe Biden self-regulated. <laughs> I think the world would be a much better one. So, That's the problem with the models we have. <laughs> if people want to, uh, to, to get in contact with you or go on a course, how do we do that? Um, so I can, I can share my number. I have no problem doing that. It's 064-966-9270. Um, also, you can follow me on Instagram. It's the Holistic Educationist. Um, okay. I'm happy to answer any questions or have any discussions. Are, are, are there any courses that you run that people can sign up to? Yes. Yeah, so I actually have a course starting next week. There's only one or two more spots, so I feel bad even mentioning it. But then I'll have another one starting in February for, for parents. And, and how long is those, those courses for? Is it like a, a once-a-week type of thing? Yeah, so it's an eight-week course, once a week for an hour, and then we have, you know, the hour of the content and 30 minutes to discuss, you know, questions and anything that's coming up in their own homes. Excellent. Well, certainly um, I'm encouraged, and uh, Faggy, again, well done. You always bring on the most fascinating guests, and, and this certainly was one. Esther, we really, really appreciate, you know, you've, you've articulated unbelievably well I think probably one of the most primal things of people, self-regulation. Like, I think that I'm going to, like, print it out and put it up. Everywhere. Not even that. Remember. Can, you imagine, can you imagine the effects it could have on us and dealing with our own issues, literally just yeah. being able to understand this whole concept? Absolutely. Yeah. Your triggers are your teachers. So um, love that. Know, love that. embrace them and learn from them. Thank you again for Thank joining you. us on the show. Thank, Thank you, you, Esther Fagy. Thank, Thank you, you so much, me. Esther. For, for stirring and thank you to you 
uh, the listeners uh, for, for joining us on, on our show. If you want to join um, our WhatsApp group, just send an email to info at chayfm.com with your name and your number. We'll gladly join you. And until then, enjoy a self-regulating uh, week. And we will be here same time, same place next week. Have a good one.